Hi, and welcome to the Dissecting Dexter podcast, coming to you from the heart of the North Yorkshire countryside today. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, and this is a podcast dedicated to the excellent Showtime TV series, Dexter. We're doing a rewatch of the old episodes and currently working our way through season one. This time, we're covering episode four, entitled Let's Give the Boy a Hand. But before we dive in, I'll quickly give out the podcast contact info. You can email me dissectingdexter at gmail.com dissectingdexter all one word at gmail.com or access the blog dissectingdexter.blogspot.com this is the dissecting dexter podcast keep up to date with the show on twitter follow at dissect dexter thank you or follow the show on twitter right let's get stuck into dexter season one episode four entitled let's give the boy a hand Original air date, the 22nd of October 2006, episode written by James Manos Jr. and directed by Robert Lieberman, who once directed an episode of The X-Files, Rush, from season 7. The episode opens with Dexter on the beach. I find people around me are all making some kind of connection, like friendship or romance. But human bonds always lead to messy complications, commitment, sharing driving people to the airport. Besides, if I let someone get that close, they'd see who I really am. And I can't let that happen. So, time to put on my mask. Dexter joins Batista and a police team where a severed hand has been left on a sun lounger. Dexter takes a look and cracks a joke. Interesting hand job. Batista's amused, and I like how Dexter obviously didn't realise it was a funny comment. Maybe humour is still something he struggles with, although frequently his voiceovers have plenty of dark humour. They discuss the hand and whether it might be the work of the ice truck killer. Dexter takes a close look and points out the blood and that the hand is male, both different to previous victims. Batista points to a Polaroid photo left there, calling it a postcard. The photo shows the hand on the lounger, but in the background we can see two palm trees crossing each other to make an obvious X. Dexter seems perturbed by it, and queer is the name of the beach. We drift to a flashback of a young Dexter with Deb and his adopted parents at the very same spot as Harry sets up a photo of them with the crossing palm trees in the background. Dexter looks glum, though, and Harry goes to take another one, but has a quiet word with Dexter first. What's your problem? I hate the beach. It's sandy and gross and nasty, and I want to go home. Too bad. You're part of a family. And being part of a family means smiling for photos. Why should I pretend I'm happy? Because it'll make your mom happy. And because it's how you fit in. Remember we talked about that? This is how you do it. When somebody takes your picture, you smile. It doesn't matter if you're happy or not. You just do it to fit in. Okay? This is interesting, getting a bit more insight into how Dexter was as a child. Clearly he had serious issues with feeling normal emotions and struggled to even fake it. Harry obviously recognised this at an early stage and was trying to help Dexter put on a mask. This mask notion is a common feature of Dexter's behaviour and he often makes mention of it in his voiceovers. We return to present-day Dexter where he's made a detour to his apartment where he checks an old photo album and sure enough, there's the family photo with the palm trees. 
He realises that the ice truck killer, his new friend as he calls him, obviously did more than just leave the doll when he broke into his apartment. He evidently took some time to look around and get to know him a bit. This is clearly getting personal, but will Dexter be as disturbed by this as any normal person would be? Again, if it was happening to me, you wouldn't see me for dust. Back at the station, Captain Matthews visits LaGuerta with the crushing news, or for her anyway, that the hand on the beach has been found to belong to Tony Tucci, her publicly declared ice truck killer number one suspect. She's floored by this news, refusing to believe it. Matthews Matthews tells her she shouldn't have gone public with Tucci as a suspect until she had all the facts. He's pretty pissed off with her, knowing the press fallout that'll probably follow. He tells her to go and smooth things over with Tucci's mother, try and minimise the damage. Back to the crime scene at the beach, and we're with Dokes and Batista. Police are scouring the area for clues. Dokes spots two Hispanic guys watching him from a distance, the second time he's seen them doing it. It understandably rattles him, and he snaps at Batista. Deb hurries over to Dokes, full of the joys of spring about LaGuerta, and it's nice she gets a little moment to revel in LaGuerta's misfortune. God knows she's been put down often enough, she deserves something. But Dokes is in no mood for frivolity and returns Deb to the matter at hand. Get it? Matter at hand? Chopped off hand? (sighs) I've got to stop this. I knew Tucci wasn't the killer. I knew it. LaGuerta whipped up a manhunt for a -a rent-a-cop. Oh, man, I wish I could have been there to see the Captain Ripper a new one. Morgan, calm down. I mean, LaGuardia insulted the real killer's intelligence, and now he's getting back at us for chasing after the wrong guy. You see all these people over here? Yeah. What are they? Uh, potential witnesses. And what do we do with potential witnesses, Morgan? We... we interview them. How they... We join LaGuerta, who's gone to visit Tucci's mother. LaGuerta is trying to apologise for what she wrongly said about her son, but the mother doesn't seem to hear her. She's just interested in them finding the rest of his body. She's obviously assuming that he's dead. LaGuerta looks totally genuine when she promises that they will find him. See, she does have a softer side. We cut to Rita's house, where Dexter's helping the kids carve out a pumpkin for Halloween. They talk about next door's whiny dog that's being left outside all the time and it's keeping the kids awake at night. Dex offers to pop next door to talk to the lady. Let's have a listen to his powers of persuasion in action. I don't think we've met. Boyfriend of the blonde next door? I've seen you around. Look, I'm just getting in. I'm tired. That's precisely why I'm here. We can't help but notice your dog Mm. uh, cries a lot. I know. My ex moved out and left his dog. Trust me, I wish there was something I could do. You could, uh, take him inside. Walter's an outside dog. Yeah, you put Walter inside, Walter's an inside dog. He doesn't like being inside. He tell you that? Look, we'd really appreciate it if you could find a way to keep them quiet. Kids are upset. Maybe that's because they think their crackhead father's going to come back and beat their asses again. You know what works for me? Earplugs. Oh, 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 oh. 
I could make things so much easier for Rita. But that would be wrong. Bless him. Didn't he do well? Well, at least he didn't kill her. She did seem a bit of a bitch, but the thought obviously crossed his mind about the dog. <laughs> I like his little line at the end of that clip, but obviously his days of mindless killing of animals are long gone. Next, we find Dexter in a shop, browsing stuff for Halloween with Rita and the kids. I love Halloween. The one time of year when everyone wears a mask, not just me. People think it's fun to pretend you're a monster. Me, I spend my life pretending I'm not. Brother, friend, boyfriend, all part of my costume collection. Some people might call me a fraud. I like how they often draw parallels between aspects of normal life and Dexter's psychosis. Like here, where he again acknowledges how he wears a mask to fit in, yet at Halloween it's okay for everyone to wear one. Jumping to the next day now, and we're faced with another body part, and Dexter's faced with what is, as he puts it, another photo from his family album. It's a severed foot inside a football boot next to a football. And disturbingly, Dexter realises that the ice truck killer is recreating his past with Tony Tucci's body parts. Dokes comes up to Dexter and again notices a couple of Hispanic guys watching him. Dexter sees them too, but Dokes says not to worry about them. They obviously... Sorry, they observe how this time there's blood on the foot, unlike previous scenes. Dexter thinks the killer's sending a message. Okay, so what's the message? Not sure. Well, who's he sending it to? I can't tell you that either. What fucking good are you? Fucking good at all, apparently. You okay? He's mocking me. Don't take it personally. Don't take toy, you lab geeks. Who? Oh. Relax, bro. Sorry. Right. I need to bag this photo. It's under the ball, man. Dexter's getting increasingly unsettled by all this and even made that little slip as Batista came up to him. This photo is a close-up of the foot and the ball and Dexter's disquiet goes into overdrive. Forgive me, using yet another soundbite, but this is important. He knows. He's not corrupting the happy hallmark images of my youth. He's revealing the ugly truth behind them. Come on, Simon. Right here. You want it? You want it? It's right there. Here, you want it? Over there. Don't let him get it. Oh, yeah. Guys, keep it away from me. You're passing over here. You guys, give it back. Come on, get it. Come on. Come on, Simon. Come on, what's going to do? All right, enough. Get out of here. What the hell is going on? You're just having fun. It didn't look like Simon was having too much fun to me. You're always telling me to fit in, and I'm just trying to be part of the team. You can't be a bully, Dexter. First of all, it's wrong. Secondly, people remember bullies. People like me, cops. A bully is a felony waiting to happen. So? Blended. So Dexter has the realization that the killer is giving this gruesome, these gruesome reminders of significant moments from his past, and the clip there cut to a flashback of young Dexter messing around with some other kids, preventing a boy from getting his football shirt. 
throwing it around between them. Harry steps in and gives the shirt back before chastising Dexter and gives him the realisation of the importance of blending in. It's pretty sad and disturbing to see this cute kid having to deal with such gruesome emotions and how his foster father, a policeman remember, how his foster father is essentially grooming him into what Dexter is now. Cut next to the police station where Dokes is having a conversation with Detective McNamara, the ringleader cop who instigated the attack on Guerrero's lieutenant's house. Uh, Lieutenant, uh, Detective McNamara is there in the department, homicide department. Dokes tells him that Guerrero's guys are telling him, but McNamara is unsympathetic. No, that's not good, James. You should alert the police. Unless, of course, for some reason, the officers of Miami Metro wouldn't want to help you. Like, you know, you fucked one of their wives. You think this is a joke? I'm going to end up dead. It's just a matter of when. Yep. You should have thought of that before you stuck your dick in my sister. You're right. I should have waited until the divorce came through. Bullshit. What, she didn't tell you? She filed the papers, jackass. You don't believe me, ask the captain. He tried to pull Ricky out of his assignment, but Ricky didn't want to come out. Of course not. His job was to bring down Gidetto. It was his job to protect his wife. Ricky's a motherfucker who got her killed. You backed the wrong cop, asshole. I love Dokes there. He turns the tables completely fairly and gives McNamara something of a realisation that maybe he's been a bit rash. Next, we join Rita trying to chivvy up the kids, but they're knackered from the yapping still coming from the dog next door. Rita goes round this time and tries to tell the woman to do something about the dog. The woman starts to laugh at her, mocking her for trying to be all tough. From what she said to Dexter when he called before, it seems her lack of respect might stem from her knowing about Rita's incarcerated husband, Paul. Knowing Rita was a battered and abused housewife. What a bitch, eh? You'd think that as a woman she'd sympathise, but nope, a character's set up to be completely antagonistic and give Dexter a domestic problem to solve, hopefully without violence. Back at the police station, Dexter's rattled by the increased brazenness of the ice truck killer, but he's distracted when Batista comes to talk to him. They talk about Batista's 10-year anniversary gift for his wife before Dexter's computer provides a revelation. It does kind of look like a bug. This can't be right. What's up? You see that? You see it? I don't know. What do I see? The blood flow on the hand suggested the heart was still pumping when it was severed. Mean son of a bitch, no doubt. But look at the foot. It's the same blood flow. Plus the lividity. Look. It's the same bruising, the same ashen color, the same level of decomposition as the hand the day we found it. We found them a day apart. I know. They rush to LaGuardia's office where Dexter announces that he thinks Tucci is still alive, being kept that way by the ice truck killer to perform amputations. LaGuardia springs into action now they think Tucci is still alive and that they could well, sus- they could well expect another body part tomorrow. LaGuardia calls Tucci's mother. It's kind of a reprieve for LaGuardia after her hastily naming Tucci as the number one suspect and you can see that her relief is palpable. Then we see Dokes brief in the department, looking at trying to anticipate where the next body part could turn up and catch the killer in the act of setting it up, hopefully. He's open to ideas from the ranks, and Deb pipes up. Any ideas? Uh, don't forget the photos. They're new. 
Thank you, Officer Morgan. We're doing just fine out here. Why do we think he's taking photos? <laughs> I love that. Dokes almost channeled LaGuerta there by pretending to dismiss Deb's suggestion, although LaGuerta would have probably ignored it altogether. As the department discuss the case, Dexter quietly observes how they're trying to put together a puzzle when they don't know pieces are missing, pieces that the killer gave to him. Dexter, though, throws them a bone to keep them busy, perhaps. Change, he says. He points out that so far the locations used to be known as something else. In the absence of any better suggestions, the detectives run with it. Cut then to a church, where LaGuerta joins Mrs Tucci at a kind of service of hope, where LaGuerta is thoroughly embarrassed by the woman's spirituality and faith. It seems she bears no ill feeling whatsoever for her son being named as prime suspect. LaGuerta seems to need her apology to be accepted, realising her mistake and needing some kind of closure for it. On her return to the police station, she talks to Dokes, who tells her that they have every available patrol out there watching possible locations for another body part drop-off. They share a light moment when Dokes says she's the only person people hate more than him. As I mentioned before, these two do have a professional history together and have a sort of friendship going. They go to leave and turn out the lights, only for an irritated Deb to shout out from a side office where she's still poring over the CCTV footage. It's kind of a, hello, I'm still here moment. Quite amusing that they forgot she was there. When Dokes gets home, he sees yet again that he's being watched by Guerrero's men. They're in a car outside his house, but when he goes to confront, confront them, they run off. We jump to Deb and Dexter talking on the phone. She's practically begging him to join her on a stakeout at one of the unpatrolled possible body part locations. She's asking him to pick a spot, but what she doesn't realise is that Dexter's browsing an old photo album, looking for a likely spot himself. Dexter, assuming that the next location will again represent somewhere from his past. He seems to spot something and quickly hangs up. We cut to the next day and Dex is out and about, holding up a photo of him as a child, standing next to a tree with a smiley face drawn on it. And sure enough, he's out at the location now, standing next to a tree, or sorry, next to the very tree in that old photo. However, the photo shows the location to be undeveloped, but now the area's been, area's been built on. So again, this fits in with Dexter's theory about locations that have changed. He looks around, feeling sure this is the right place, and spots something nearby, but it's only a sleeping homeless man. Then he gets a phone call to tell him to get his ass over to the McCaffrey pumpkin patch. Dexter knows exactly where it is, and we go to a flashback where Dex is on a trailer being pulled by a horse, with Deb and Harry next to him. Are you okay? Are you kidding? That was awesome. You got some hay in your hair. Where? Right there. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Enough, enough, you two. Come on. Let me take a picture of you and the kids. You'll miss these moments when they're older. Thanks. Great to see you having such a good time, Dex. Are you kidding me? This haze giving me a total allergy attack. We're just going around in circles on a pumpkin patch. I don't get it. Ready? Smile! From that, it sounds like Dex is starting to get better at faking his emotions. And they're looking like he's having a good time. We cut back to the present day, and Dex is presented with the latest body part. This time it's part of the lower leg. And another Polaroid. Deb turns up, and LaGuerta gives her some shit for turning up there when her shift starts in two hours. Deb recalls that their dad brought them there as kids. 
Dexter and Batista examine the leg and Dexter observes how there's no sign of infection, like the killer is administering antibiotics before amputation. And then Batista pulls out another jewellery box, this time with a necklace inside. It looks like a diamond-encrusted O and X, another anniversary present that he's uh, swapped the previous one for. It's pretty funny. Dexter looks at it and says, Ox? Batista's disgruntled yet again, cursing, and says, No, it's an O and an X, as in hugs and kisses. You can just imagine the dent in a woman's self-confidence when her husband gives her a necklace that reads Ox. Dexter says it looks like tic-tac-toe, or noughts and crosses, as we call it in Britain. I love Batista's frustration here at Dexter, yet again pointing out the ambiguity of his gift. We learn the fate of Rita's neighbour's dog when Dexter... Uh, in the next scene when Dexter brings the kids home and the rude woman from next door runs out demanding to know what they did with her dog. Dexter shrugs, but we cut to the dog enjoying the ride in the back of Rita's car. She's basically found a new home with a family in town, uh, possibly the family of a work colleague. And then that night we join Dexter in his apartment. Harry was the only one who saw me. Really saw me. So he taught me to hide. And that's what's kept me safe. But sometimes I'm not sure where Harry's vision of me ends and the real me starts. If I'm just a collection of learned behaviors, bits and pieces of Harry, maybe my new friend is right. Maybe I am a fraud. There's a knock at the door. Rita. Dex is surprised to see her, and he explains that he's not been himself lately. Rita has other things in mind and opens her coat and says, Maybe I can cheer you up. And she's wearing a bikini top and shorts. She stands there a bit awkwardly. Dexter sits down in his chair. And Rita explains it's her Halloween costume. She's dressing as Lara Croft. She asks if there's anything she can do to cheer him up. She ends up basically taking charge, getting on her knees and giving him a blowjob. His voiceover and smile that slowly appears on his face is funny. I've come to appreciate the comfortable moments with Rita. The easy, quiet moments. This might be better. Next, Batista is in the police office and shows Deb his latest jewellery purchase for Nina. In the absence of Dexter, he shows Deb. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's another pretty tacky thing, but you can see Batista's genuine and has put some thought into it, so you have to feel for the guy. Deb says it's perfect, though, and he goes away happy. Then the next scene is like a punch to the guts and your heart really goes out to him. He comes in the front door holding flowers, dressed to the nines. We assume he's going home for a romantic evening with his wife. But the woman is there, uh, Nina we presume, and she trudges over to him with a sad face. Angel. Happy anniversary, baby. You know you can't just walk in here anymore. I just thought our anniversary, maybe tonight we could put all that behind us. It doesn't matter what night it is. I told you I need time. It's been three months, baby. How much time do you need? Don't turn this around on me, Angel. Not after what you did. I need as much time as I need.
Angel. As long as you're here, you want to see Audi? We then see Batista leaning over a sleeping girl, his daughter we assume. He kisses her and hangs that necklace over her bed. Whether the jewellery was originally for her or for Nina, I'm not sure, but Nina watches from the door looking sad. Obviously, Batista's done something, but we don't know what, and it's clearly been the catalyst for this separation, and he was hoping to achieve some kind of reconciliation tonight. It's sad, but a strong character moment for our friend Angel Batista. OK, moving on, we cut to Dexter and Rita. Hopefully, Rita's brushed her teeth, though, but before she leaves, she spots some of Dexter's old family photos. She has a look and sees one of young Dexter with his dad's shadow in the photo taking the shot. She comments how poetic it is, like he's always with him. This comment sets off a little light bulb in Dexter's head, and he gets an idea. All those years of smiling for the camera, it was empty and fake. The pictures, meaningless. Until now. Pictures of Harry. Dexter picks up a photo of him and Harry standing outside a hospital, and we go to a flashback of the moment. Harry's telling him how his grandfather worked there for 30 years in maintenance. Harry gets a twinge of pain in his chest, but they pose for the photo anyway. Cut back to present-day Dexter, and he spots a smiley face drawn on the back of the photo. Not a smiley face that he drew himself. But a face like the one on the tree earlier. A message from my friend, he thinks, showing him where to go. But he's not sure about his motivation for going. We briefly cut to Dokes arriving home and he gets jumped and bundled off. No prizes for guessing who might be behind this. We now jump a bit quickly back and forth between Dokes and Dexter. Dexter arrives at the Angel of Mercy Hospital, now long since closed down and shrouded in darkness. We jump back to an underground car park where Dokes is unloaded from a car at the feet of Carlo Guerrero. Dokes gets a bit of a beating before we jump back to Dexter, walking along a dark corridor, knowing the ice truck killer could be lurking there somewhere. Dexter does seem to have great confidence in this murderer not meaning him any harm. Dexter hears a weak voice saying, Please, please. Cut to Dokes, doubled up on the floor. Guerrero's men haul him up. You traumatised my little girl in church? Break the knees of my best earner? You're a wild dog, Sergeant. The only thing to do with a wild dog. Police! Hands in the air! Thought you could use backup? Could have filled me in, man. Shit. Got you going after a goddamn cop, motherfucker. We own your ass now. And the cavalry arrive. McNamara and his two colleagues turn up and shoot the bad guys. Dokes knows he was bait and he's pissed, but McNamara says now his sister can rest in peace and now he and Dokes are even. Cut back to Dexter, who's followed the voice and from a walkway looks down onto a bound, blindfolded and blooded Tony Tucci on a gurney. Dexter goes down to him, and Tucci hears him. Please. Just do it. 
kill me. I'm ready. I'm ready. Just don't cut me anymore. Please don't cut me anymore. Gift wrapped and begging for death. Tools at the ready. Just kill me. It's okay. He was left here so I would kill him. But my new friend doesn't see me as clearly as he thinks. I can't kill this man. Harry wouldn't want it. And neither would I. It's disturbing hearing anyone ask to be killed, to be free of their suffering, but here's a guy being kept alive while bits of him have been cut off. Psychologically, the poor bloke's got to be screwed. Death will be a relief. But of course, Dexter doesn't just kill anyone. They have to fit, and this is something Dexter's new friend doesn't understand or realise about him. But at the end of the clip, Dexter's thoughts are interrupted by someone on the balcony above who takes a Polaroid of him. Dexter hurries after and finds the camera and photo left behind. We cut to Deb, still watching CCTV tapes when someone comes in with a message. The message simply reads, Tucci, Angel of Mercy Hospital Basement. Quickly cut to the hospital and Tucci is being taken away by an ambulance and Deb's brimming with excitement. Captain Matthews is there and congratulates her, although she's modest about it, saying she's just the one who got the call. LaGuerta shows up and gives Deb no credit, but puts Batista on point for the scene in Dokes' absence. Grudgingly, she tells Batista to use Deb's help. As they walk away, Deb asks Batista how his wife liked the jewellery, and God love him, he just says she loved it. I really feel for the guy here, and his response to Deb says a lot about his character. It was about time we saw some character development for him. As LaGuerta is about to leave, she sees Tucci's mother at her son's side as he's being loaded onto the ambulance. We then go to the closing montage that seems to have become a regular thing at the moment, with Dexter's voiceover referring to himself, but the people we see while he talks, well, his words really apply to them too. Sometimes you bury that part of yourself so deeply that you have to be reminded it's there at all. We see LaGuerta lighting a candle in a church and Dokes looking sullen while McNamara and his colleagues give each other high fives. And sometimes you just want to forget who you are altogether. And what about me? Maybe I'll never be the human Harry wanted me to be. But I couldn't kill Tony Tucci. That's not me either. My new friend thought I wouldn't be able to resist the kill he left for me. But I did. I'm not the monster he wants me to be. So I'm neither man nor beast. I'm something new entirely. 
my own set of rules. I'm Dexter. We close out with Dexter looking at his bloodside collection and burning the Polaroid of him standing over Tucci. Wouldn't that have provoked some questions if that got found? Dexter's words at the end there were interesting, how some people hide who they are. We see LaGuerta lighting that candle. She's been a real hard-ass but has shown some occasional signs of a softer side. Clearly she's reluctant to reveal it too widely. Dexter talked about sometimes you want to forget who you are altogether and we see Dokes feeling an assortment of emotions after his close brush with death, maybe a bit ashamed of his fellow officers, putting him in harm's way to get a result, although he's relieved that they were able to save him, no doubt. And I really should make a mention of the music there. Really nice work from composer Daniel Licht, if I've pronounced that right. He does an excellent job creating some effective original music for the show. A blend of Latin style with some tremendously atmospheric stuff. Not least my favourite piece, the blood theme, that they play at the end of each episode. Okay, so that's episode four. I hinted last time that if this season of Dexter follows the common TV trend of three acts in a season, then we could expect a big stride forward in the storyline this time. I know it's a cliche, but the previous three episodes were very much set up. I mean, they had to be. New show, new characters, establishing relationships, storylines and so on. We've been following the major storyline of the Ice Truck Killer, and in this latest episode the story did take a big jump. It was already pretty clear that the Ice Truck Killer is playing with Dexter to an extent. It was also clear that he's a very skilled individual, not just at killing and dismembering, but... Also, it's staying unidentified, so much so that Dexter is enthralled and compelled and impressed. Compelled enough to follow the breadcrumbs, almost conducting his own secret private investigation. It's a very risky game, should he be discovered. Imagine the trouble he'd be in if the police found out how much he already knew and had been keeping it from them. From them. Now, in this episode, we got Dexter being properly toyed with and manipulated. The killer knows he has Dexter's interest and is sending cryptic personal messages that Dexter's trying to solve. These photos he's leaving, they're recreating scenes from Dexter's childhood. What's all that about? Clearly it's important. And then Dexter is led to the old hospital where poor Tony Tucci is being tortuously kept alive. Seems the killer was pretty much done with him now, though, and allowed Dexter to find him. But he made a miscalculation in thinking that Dexter would kill Tucci. He obviously misjudged him, misunderstanding Dexter's own killer urges. We've talked around the code before, and although we haven't had it fully revealed, we do know Dexter won't just kill anyone. They have to deserve it, have to be a killer themselves. It would also appear that the ice truck killer really does mean Dexter no personal harm. He's enjoying the game, enjoying playing with him. Taking that photo, taking the piss more like, Dexter would be right to be a bit annoyed at being messed with, messed with, or will his apparent fascination bordering on obsession mean he'll just continue to play along? Before we mention the next episode, let's make a quick note of the fact that this is the first episode in which Dexter didn't kill anyone. It's been a staple so far, Dexter's kill of the week, but this time he went without. Next time on Dissecting Dexter.
Okay, so we're a third of the way through the season now, and the next episode could be seen as the first episode of the second act. Could be a largely set-up episode, so we might not think anything too big will happen, but then again they could surprise us, and I like surprises, so fingers crossed. The next episode is entitled Love American Style. I do like the play on words they do with some of these episode titles, like the last episode, Popping Cherry, which had more than one meaning relevant to the story. Like, let's give the boy a hand this week. Again, a double meaning, referring to poor Tony Tucci losing a hand, but also perhaps for Dexter himself. Give him a hand for being a clever boy and finding Tucci. So, love, American style? Interesting. Will Dexter finally jump in the sack with Rita, or is the title being a bit sarcastic? We shall see. It's time for the Dissecting Dexter line of the episode. I've picked out three that I particularly enjoyed from this episode, and you may well have your own favourite. If you spot one in episode five, Love American Style, email me and I'll play it in the next podcast. But for now, here are mine for episode four. First one, not such a funny line, but a nice reference to Dex's dark side. I love Halloween. The one time of year when everyone wears a mask, not just me. This next one's a bit better. Deb pipes up with a perfectly valid point, and uh, Dokes' reaction is brilliant. Any ideas? Uh, don't forget the photos. They're new. Thank you, Officer Morgan. We're doing just fine out here. Why do we think he's taking photos? And finally, a funny moment between Dexter and Batista when they're looking at the leg found at the pumpkin patch. It's interesting, there's no sign of infection where the foot was cut off, like he gave Tucci prophylactic antibiotics before amputating. At least he's looking after his patient. Listener feedback. I'd just like to acknowledge some listener feedback that I've had since the last podcast. Firstly, an email I received from Megan Reed, who said some really nice things about the podcast that I very much appreciate. She's obviously enjoying the show, but ask that I include more sound clips from the episodes. Well, Megan, I've counted and I used, I think, 19 in my review this time. I think that's about double the amount I used before, so I hope you enjoyed them. They do add to the review, and I... I, Well, hopefully I haven't used too many this time. It's all about balance again, but thanks for the email, Megan. Moving on, I've had three new iTunes reviews all on the UK iTunes. First off, thanks to both Cute Poison and Shrike UK, who left me nice five-star reviews. Much appreciated. And then thanks also to a reviewer called I Love Your Mum. Interesting name, and a more interesting two-star review that reads, goes on too much about one particular subject and spoilt season five. Now, okay, I know I can waffle a bit too much sometimes, so apologies if I've done that again today and caused any listeners' attention to wander. But the point about spoiling Season 5... I was surprised by this because the only detail I've given about Season 5 anywhere was in a special podcast episode called Season 5 Briefing, in which I repeatedly said in the intro that I'd be talking about Season 5, and if you didn't want to know anything about Season 5, turn off now. So... While I'm sorry you got spoiled, I'm not sure what I could have done to warn you any more than I did. But thanks all the same for taking the time to leave a review. Unless you want me to hunt you down, please email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Thank you. 
As I mentioned Season 5 there, I'd just like to mention again that I do intend to podcast about Season 5 as it airs. Something along the lines of an instant reaction, hopefully with some nice listener feedback, theories and comments thrown in. I'll say again that I will be keeping the Season 5 content separate from these rewatch podcasts. Podcast titles will be clearly labelled as being about Season 5 and there will be spoiler warnings in the podcast itself. I really, really don't want to spoil anyone. For these rewatch podcasts though, there will be no spoilers and we'll only be talking about what's gone before and not revealing stuff to come. So if you've not watched every episode yet and you're just listening to these rewatch podcasts, don't worry. Any concerns, comments, questions, or feedback, please drop me an email, dissectingdexter at gmail.com or drop me a message on Twitter where you can follow the podcast, follow at dissectdexter. There's also the blog dissectingdexter.blogspot.com not too many posts there, but if you're not into the whole iTunes thing, then you can download the podcast directly from there. Oh, I should say, if you fancy sending or recording a voicemail, um, you can email that to me at dissectingdexter at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to play it on air. And that's it for now. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon when we talk about Season 1, Episode 5, Love American Style. Cheers. Cheers.